Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Mountain Lion podcast. This is Paul Aronowitz, faculty member at UC Davis School of Medicine, and today I'm bringing you the first of what I hope will be two podcasts about preparing for the USMLE step exams. This one is called Step Prep, Interview with the Two Megans. No, I did not get that title off the back of a box of Wheaties, I really interviewed two of our students, Megan Humphrey and Megan, also known as Meg, Byrne. Needless to say, the target audience for this podcast is medical students contemplating how best to approach the USMLE step exams, but for medical educators and residents listening, stay tuned and see if you can learn something here as well. I sure did, talking to the two of them, and it was enjoyable to spend 40 minutes with them. Before I start the podcast, I wanted to be clear that you will be hearing about a lot of step prep products, books, online modules, videos, and so on. And I want to be clear that neither I nor my two guests, the two Megans, have any financial interests in any of these products. In fact, we don't even have a conflict of interest to report. So sit back and listen now to the two Megans. I want to welcome all of our podcast listeners today. Uh, we have two special guests on this program, and uh, they are the two Megans. Um, and you'll be able to recognize both of them, not because this is a audio podcast, but um, one goes by Meg and one goes by Megan. So that's the way I'll be referring to them today. So uh, I recently started a abbreviated step one course, which is optional for our medical students, first and second years. And it occurred to me that there are people who know a lot more about preparing for the steps than I do. So I thought it would be really fun to invite a couple people who have taken both step one and step two and done well on both of those exams. And I won't get into numbers, um, suffice to say that they did well, and uh, they obviously put a lot of work into their efforts. And I thought it would be kind of a nice near-peer experience if our medical students, as well as medical students perhaps across the country that listen to this podcast, Mountain Lion, had an opportunity to get their advice. So without uh, further ado, um, we have Meg Byrne. Um, and uh, Meg, if you could just uh, tell us a little bit about where you grew up, where you went to undergraduate. Uh, you're obviously here at UC Davis School of Medicine and where you are in your application process for residency. Okay, um, so I grew up uh, in the Bay Area, um, Peninsula area, so like halfway between San Jose and San Francisco. And um, I love California, but I went to Boston for undergrad. I went to Tufts University and loved it, but I'm very happy to be back home. And happy to announce for both of us that uh, we just turned in our ERAS for residency, which is very exciting. So that means uh, now we're just waiting to get interview invites and start that process. So it's an exciting time. And those were due on September 15th? Or Last Sunday. Like that. Yeah. yeah, this and past. I think the Dean's letters yeah. come out in a couple of weeks. So, yeah. exciting time. Yeah. It'll be fun to see where yes. you land in the match. And fun. Megan? Um, so, yeah, I would consider myself a local. I was born in Southern California, but I spent probably a greater majority of my life in the greater Sacramento area. Uh, I went to the Bay Area for school, Sonoma State. Um, but I'm happy to be back here close to family 
Um, and just like Meg said, we just submitted our applications and now it's the waiting game, so. Excellent. Well, congratulations to both of you guys on getting all that done. That's a milestone uh, in your careers for sure. Um, so uh, the other question I have for you before we get started is what's your favorite thing to do when not geeking out on medicine, since <laughs> you're both headed into in the field of internal medicine, but Meg? Um, I mean, I, I like just like chill days with family and friends. Um, I go back to the Bay Area probably like at least once a month, um, and I'm still pretty close with my high school friends, been hanging out with my family. I also really like reading. Um, I go lap swimming almost every day. It's very relaxing. Yeah. Excellent. Wow. And favorite recent novel? Uh, I've been reading this... It's like this new author, her name's Zen Cho. I read a lot of fantasy, um, and it's really out there. It's called Sorcerer to the Crown. And now I'm reading the second book, and I can't remember what it's called, but very out there. Uh, young woman, fantasy author, recommend it. Okay. Yeah. And Megan? Um, probably my greatest free time activity would probably be baking. I'm the go-to baker in my family, and uh, recently I've taken up the adventure of teaching my nieces to bake as well. Um, they're six and three, so you can only imagine the messes that we get <laughs> into. Um, but other than that, just spending time with my loved ones, I'm very similar to Meg. I go to the Bay Area as often as I can because I just love the ocean, so any chance I get, I'm at a beach. Nice. Well, starting with you, Megan, um, can you um, tell me a little bit about your overall approach for preparing for each of the STEP exams? Of course. Um, step one was probably the biggest hurdle, so I'll, I'll start there. Um, it's just a completely different exam than I think I've ever experienced before. So my approach probably wasn't as designed as I wanted it to be. It felt very winged. And a lot of that comes from the fact that there's just so many resources out there and everybody has a different take on how to prepare for the exams. Um, so finding the right studying method for myself was probably what took the longest in getting prepared. So for step one, um, I realized that I'm very much a reviewer. I needed to review concepts before I could go to questions, um, which made things a little bit longer in terms of the process. and potentially um, maybe wasn't necessarily the right method because when I got to step two I found myself very question driven and I did almost 200 questions a day and I felt that that actually prepared me quite a bit more. And that 200 questions yeah. a day was, was done during your SAT study Correct. Period. Yes, 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 yes. No, no, no. That was um, four weeks every day, spread throughout the day, almost 12-hour days of um, just doing questions and with a little bit of um, concept review. Wow. So yeah. how many total questions was that? Oh, gosh. So uh, 200 it was, times I think, 28 if you didn't take I, a day off. I took days off, but but yes, it's. Um, I think you. I was, the question bank I used was U World, and uh, there's about 2,300 plus or minus, and I got through. Yeah, like, yeah, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So it sounds like your approach to step one was fairly different than step two, with the step one being more like reviewing the concepts, correct, and then diving into the questions. Exactly. Okay, and Meg. How about you? Yeah, um, 
that definitely some similarities there. I also really want to echo, I feel like um, one of the hardest parts is just figuring out among the many strategies and resources available, like what works for you. And I think it's just really important to like stick to what you find. But yeah, so I think, um, I, I feel like I still did pretty question driven for step one, but I was only able to do 80 questions a day during the six week dedicated period. Um, and I would spend a lot of time reviewing those blocks and then um, a lot of time doing independent content review outside of that. And then step two CK was, yeah, just totally question driven. But I think that kind of speaks to the nature of the exams though. I feel like you have to do some amount of content review for step one because the questions are more like layered, like you have to understand the underlying concept to understand the question, whereas a lot of the questions in step two CK are like, what should you do now? You're in this scenario, this is what the patient's doing, what's your next step? So you really just need to do questions for that exam. Exactly, the change from the basic science concept to the clinical management. Yeah, but otherwise, just in terms of like general approach, I guess, I mean, I mostly um, really stuck to the curriculum and that really worked mm -hmm. for me and I was like a lecture goer and I, um, and I didn't start like studying for step independent of the curriculum until I did a little bit over that winter break, December, um, when you take step one in April and then starting, um, yeah, and then just pretty much just right until dedicated, uh, maybe the two weeks before I started. So, and then six weeks total dedicated. So up until that point, I think it's um, just learning the material and the curriculum as best works for you is going to be the best thing, I think, to prepare you rather than trying to okay, we're doing cardio, but I'm going to be on the side, like, doing all the GI U-World questions. Like, if you're trying to do two at the same time, um, that would be really difficult. What about the approach of your learning cardio in the classroom and then doing U-World cardio questions? Did you try that at all? Yeah, I started doing U-World around that January, February time um, in the two months before Dedicated started. Um, and I think I maybe did like just maybe 500 questions total before dedicated, and then I just reset and did all of U World in the six weeks of dedicated. Um, and more than doing U World questions, when I was in the curriculum, what I really liked to do was just bring first aid to lecture, and I would always flip it open to whatever we were talking about. And then over the course of the lecture, I would make sure I understood the concepts that were in first aid about what we were talking about to try to learn it at the same time so that all the pages of first aid were familiar to me and I had put them in the context of the curriculum when I was looking through first aid during dedicated. And that was beginning in December but not first year. I, so it be December of your second year. I did start opening first aid in energy. Yeah. And that was when? That's block two. Block two, first year. First year. Yeah. So you had started as early as block two yeah. first year looking at first aid and correlating it with the curriculum you were learning in the classroom. Yeah. And I didn't really, I didn't read first aid independently of the curriculum, but I would have it, I mean, it is, I think first aid does a really good job of organizing information into tables that are like easily memorizable. So I think it's a good, um, it can be a good first pass 
material in that way. Like if, so I just liked when we were doing energy, like having it open to the thyroid hormone pathway, like while we were getting the thyroid lectures to make sure I understood every step of the pathway as it was laid out in first aid when we were learning it for the first time. And, and working in the other direction, do you feel like doing that helped you with the exams for the core curriculum in the School of Medicine? Mm, yes and so no. <laughs> um, you want to you want to speak to that? Um, yeah. So I actually did very similarly to Meg. I was a lecture grower and I bought first aid block two, so my first year, and that was my only resource for pretty much first and second year using that um, exclusively. Um, at least the course content here. Um, it's not 100% step-driven, as you would assume. It's not just a board study class. Um, so there are concepts and testable material that aren't in first aid and that don't necessarily always overlap. So there was certain courses and certain times where you'd have to study things that maybe aren't as pertinent for the board exams. It didn't always overlap. Oh, I see. And so did you, Megan, mm -hmm. did you feel like... Um, doing that helped you with exams for the core curriculum or not so much either? Um, I would say there is benefit to it. The, I mean, general concepts and the highlighted concepts in first aid are talked about in the class itself and first aid does streamline, it's very outlined, um, so it gives you a general idea as to what the testable concepts would be. So yeah, overall, I think it does help. Okay, but so it sounds like both of you started early, as early as block two, you also, Megan? Yes. Okay, so you both started early, um, kind of used step one as an accessory type learning mode as you were learning the core curriculum, mm -hmm. but you also filled in what maybe they weren't doing in the core curriculum that was going to show up on the steps. Yeah. And I would say that I think there was a lot more, um, I do think the curriculum covered most of what was on step, almost everything. It's just that they did a lot of other things that aren't as testable. Um, and I don't at all regret like learning the other things because I think there's been a lot of things that came up in the curriculum that have been really relevant to actual patient care, mm -hmm. but aren't always like multiple choice testable. Um, so just to put that out there, I think that having first aid open kind of, I like, I really like the way you put it. It keeps you focused on like making sure you got what's testable, what's going to be a multiple choice question out of this like mm -hmm. concept you just learned. But um, you do have to learn other things to learn the core curriculum that aren't on step one. Yeah. So while I think we both got our toes wet in terms of step studying, um, we were both probably curriculum driven like where we focused on the curriculum material and step was kind of the secondhand portion, at least in the beginning. So sort of in medical school, we do trust, but <laughs> we don't trust you as far to get totally ready for the, the steps. Yeah. Okay. Um, so one of the things I told the students at my first session was, and I had a big picture of this Galapagos tortoise, and I said, <laughs> The slow and steady approach will always do better than the cramming at the end approach. Would you guys disagree with that or agree with that? And, and if not, why not? I mean, the more you see a concept and the slower you 
you take your time learning it, probably the longer, just like we talk about memory, um, you know, the longer and repeated times you're going to see it. So approaching things um, early on, um, taking little chunks at a time, you're going to hold on to more of it for a longer time than if you just cram everything. So I would agree with that. Yeah. I don't think it's possible to cram. Yeah, that's true. Not for step one. <laughs> it's just too much. But I, so I agree with it in that sense. I do think that there's ways to like, um, I mean, I don't know how it would have gone if I'd done something different for dedicated. So it's sort of like there's no way to cram, but at the same time, I think being really strategic about how you're going to spend those six weeks um, going up to the test. Whether or not you consider six weeks a cram, I don't know. It felt really long. <laughs> but you do have to be really strategic, I think, about that time in terms of like maintaining your sanity, too, and feeling good about the exam. So I don't know. And Meg, you said that you finished all the UWorld questions. That's for step one. Yeah. And how many of those were there, if you remember? I'm pretty sure I did 80 questions a day. Maybe I did 100 questions a day. For roughly six weeks. Yeah, and I I planned it out like I counted out exactly how many questions there were on U World, and worked with Dr. Arnold to make a schedule where um, I would do like blocks of forty all about cardio yeah. this day or and then. And I liked to do, like, I would do something totally different in the morning than the afternoon to keep me, like, excited. So I'd do, like, cardio and then gynecology, like, in the same day. So it was varied. But um, so I just, I counted it out and planned my test date yeah. with the exact number of days I needed to finish UWorld. All of them. All so you just them. went through them one time. Yeah, so I only did about 500 questions before I reset, and then, so I didn't do it twice. Yeah, okay, so I'll, just 500 questions twice, and then the rest mm -hmm. yeah. didn't do it. And yeah. Megan? Very similar as well. Um, I only got to UWorld similarly in the winter before, um, dedicated, and I did, I don't even think I did 500, maybe a couple hundred, on topics that I felt were uh, short enough that I could review them quickly and maybe mm. not as high yield. Um, biostats, um, no offense, but psychiatry, just not high yield. Um, so I reviewed those quickly, but um, I only got through all of UWorld during dedicated one time. Okay. And so during the remainder of the winter, after you'd sort of started looking at a few hundred right. world questions, you were still using that uh, uh, first aid approach mm -hmm. that you had started way back in first year correct. second mm -hmm. block. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. The only other thing I did, um, I did two like sessions by myself of independent material that I recommend to everybody here that I don't think are covered that well in the curriculum. Like small gap would be uh, autonomic receptors and drugs and antibiotics. And so for both of those, I used Sketchy Farm. And I sat down and set out, like I think I did maybe a day on both of those on my own during the winter before dedicated because I really felt like I didn't know them. Um, so that was the only other resource that really was really, really helpful was the sketchy farm videos because <laughs> those are both high yield and like detail-oriented high yield. And I don't think we had like one lecture on autonomic receptors in February that was as detailed as we needed for step in April. So that was, I think that was one big area. Did you do that about. too? I actually tried to use the sketchies, but they're not for me. Um, they're sketchy micro, sketchy farm, and I think they're sketchy path now. Um, 
and it was a big Everybody in our class kind of used Sketchy Micro, uh, but for me, I watched the first video on Staff Aureus probably four times, and that is as far as I got. So for me, uh, the Sketchy videos, I didn't use it. I actually just used First Aid for Micro and Pharmacology, but from what I hear, um, it's high yield for a lot of people. Okay. Yeah, I've heard a lot about Sketchy Micro during the clinical years because whenever yeah. I ask a micro or ID <laughs> question, students are, they kind of look at each other and smile because they remember something from yeah. the sketches in yeah. Sketchy Micro. I definitely use Sketchy Micro when we learned Micro for the first time. Mm -hmm. And do you, you guys have to independently pay for those or does the School of Medicine cover them? They're independently uh, paid for, a lot of those. Um, so there's Boards and Beyond videos, there's Sketchy videos, um, and then there's also other QBanks outside of UWorld, but all of that um, we pay for ourselves. Yeah. UWorld you pay for too? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the Boards and Beyond, was that anything you tried to use? Oh yeah, for me, actually, I love those videos. I didn't find mm -hmm. them until dedicated, mm -hmm. um, and I wish I had actually, after going through them, I wish I had started them during the um, separate blocks, so the cardio block, the neuro block, watching them. Um, I thought they were very focused content review and very short videos that had a lot of material that I found useful. How short are we talking? Um, I mean, as short as probably three minutes for a video and up to, I think the longest is 20, if it was like a very dense topic. Well, and how many videos are there? Oh, I know. Um, depending on the subject, there's probably upwards of 15 videos. Some subjects, it's as little as five. Um, maybe a total of 50 videos, maybe more. Mm -hmm. I didn't watch them for every subject, uh, but certain areas where I felt weaker or wanted really good in-depth physiology review, I loved Boards and Beyonds for that. Oh, fascinating. Mm -hmm. So, Meg, you didn't use those videos? No, I, I only used First Aid and Sketchy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the other one that a lot of people use is Pathoma. Pathoma. Yeah. What's it called? Pathoma. Pathoma. Yeah. No, neither of you use that? Um, Pathoma, I looked at the book whenever we had a path course, so it comes with a book and a video, uh, videos online. I, for myself, the videos online didn't add any new material um, that I wasn't either getting from course content or the book itself. Um, but I only really use Pathoma for our path course, not so much for dedicated. And I, yeah, I, I thought a lot about getting Pathoma because uh, almost everybody used yeah. it, but, um, but I thought Dr. Olson's lectures were like super on point with first aid and if I needed more in-depth pathology they were in her notes and everything so I just I just stuck with her. So this is kind of a na naive question where I went to medical school we didn't have to take step one and we only had to take step two to graduate from medical school nice. but that's a sign of the times how many residency <laughs> programs now rely on those step exams to screen applicants but so Back in the day, I didn't take step one. But when you get your step one results, does it break things down by topic area, or you mm -hmm. just get a score? Okay, so you actually see how well you were prepared, relatively speaking, for topics. Correct. Mm -hmm. And did you find for pathology, for example, that you did okay? Or? I can't remember. I can't remember. Okay. Which, which yeah, probably, was we the probably best should leave that out anyway, because that <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of 
had to be listened to by some of our professors too. <laughs> they would want to be known as, you know, I helped right. them do well in the steps versus didn't. I think it's controversial right. to some degree. Um, so I'm going to uh, throw uh, just a, uh, as we wrap up here a little bit, of just a few questions at you guys um, that have come from our, um, I guess you could call them our podcast listening audience. Or whatever. <laughs> um, the first one is from uh, Dr. Joanna Arnold, and um, these are three of the common questions she gets asked by students. Um, should I be studying for step one instead of studying for the courses? Why don't you start with you, Meg? What's your thought on that? Um, I, I think that it's, it's very feasible to study for them at the same time and to just learn the knowledge all at one time, kind of like we talked about. I think... Um, you should study, you know, figure out your own way how to study for the curriculum, which is really personal and independent. If you're going to go to lecture or panopto or how you want to take notes, all that. And then I would just recommend starting at like, yeah, around block two of first year when you start to see some pathology, um, incorporating first aid into your curricular studying. And then you don't have to choose one over the other. I think they will be synergistic. Synergistic, yeah. yeah. Megan, anything else? I agree. I only say that you can't move forward in medical school unless you pass your courses. So always kind of prioritize that because step you're going to have dedicated. There is time. We get a summer break. We get a winter break. Um, the school understands that we are going to start going to the step mode, and they kind of carve out time for us. So making sure that you're learning what the courses expect you to learn so that you can keep going. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not good to fail at yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely recommend, like, in block one, like, as you're starting first year, like, just yeah. focusing totally on the curriculum, figuring exactly. out how you're going to do medical school, how you want to study, how you want to take notes, and don't think about step at all. Just focus on, like, med school. And then once you kind of feel like you know how to pass your courses, you can start, like, so throwing first aid in. Yes. Yeah. And Black One goes through December, is yeah. that right? Mm -hmm. So they kind of start in August, August, August. and it's through. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. have trouble negotiating all these <laughs> facts about the medical school. Um, and then another question she gets hit with, and when we start with Megan mm -hmm. for this one, um, should I start UWorld now? And there's no like specific <laughs> now when the student's asking a question. So I'd say if you talk to our class, a great majority had this thought of um, starting New World as early as possible and trying to get through it twice. That wasn't the case for me. Maybe in hindsight, um, I could have introduced questions sooner, but I did what worked for me. And I, like I kind of started out saying, I needed content review. Um, and I was a little QBank phobic where I never felt prepared enough to really get started. Um, so maybe I could have conquered that fear a little bit, but I did what I think worked for me. So I think that's an independent question and each person should look at their studying style and determine if they're gonna be more question driven or content driven. Got it. I think that's a great answer. Um, yeah, I think I would avoid introducing UWorld like too, too early or you don't, you just don't want during dedicated, you don't want to recognize the questions and get them right just because you remember the answer. Um, I, I actually did use the Kaplan Q Bank a good amount, um, which we get a f subscription to through school. Um, 
I don't know if they're still doing that, but so I used that QBank in like um, Energy Block and Block 3, Neuro and stuff like that, which was good to just get used to multiple choice questions and vignette style questions and everything. Um, and then I don't, yeah, there's no one right time for starting UWorld. I think um, I would just try to be careful to not like get to dedicated and already know the questions. Uh, right. Yeah, that, you want them to be challenging you during yes. dedicated. Yeah. That, that totally makes sense. And, yeah. and jumping back just for a second to step two, it sounds like you're, the two of yours, mess, both messages are diving in and assuming you're comfortable with the diving in part, diving in and mm. just doing lots and lots of questions. For sure. I think that has a lot to do with third year. Um, every two months, you know, you're taking a shelf exam, so you're studying the content, you're taking an MBME course, so by the time you get around for dedicated studying time for step two, you feel like you've been studying for a year. Um, so really, there might be a little bit of content review, uh, particularly after you do a question set and realize um, there might be a gap in knowledge, but it really was question-driven at that point for mm -hmm. myself and yeah, sounds like for Meg totally. as well. Yeah, I think I finished UWorld once, right? but I had to start months and months before I did not do all of it in the four weeks of dedicated because there were way more questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, then first step one. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Huh. But, um, yeah, no, I thought I felt like the real thing felt like you world and... Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then uh, another one of our listeners, uh, Samantha Fish, who's a second-year medical student here at UC Davis, had a couple of questions. Um, and one of them was, uh, if you guys have any tactics you have regarding vignette test taking, um, whether it be reading the question stem first to avoid anchoring bias or um, any other ideas. Um, Meg? Yeah, I definitely always read the last sentence first. Um, and then, but I don't look at the answers first. I've tried multiple strategies, so I think I recommend that one, like reading the last question, the last sentence, because sometimes they give you so much more information than you need, and then the last sentence is actually like, I don't know, I can't think of a good example, yeah. but it's really narrow, and they gave you all this other past medical history that you didn't need. And then you rewind and read the stem. And then read the stem, and then, and then I try to, think of the answer I want before I look at the choices. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, I would say the most important thing is to find something that works for you and stick with it and just do it for all your questions so that when you get to the real thing, you just, you already know how you're going to read it. Yeah. I like the concept of looking for your answer when right. you look at the answers yeah. because if you see it, it's probably the correct. Yeah, and then just trust yourself because sometimes you like <laughs> yeah. you think of the answer, you look for the answer, it's there, and then one of the other ones sounds so good, and then you're like all confused. But I think the first thing you think of, just go with it. Excellent. And Megan, any um, tips? Tips? Well, for me, I'm very old school. I just go line by line, top to bottom. But I do also try to find or think of an answer before I look at them at least. Um, the only recommendation I would have is that during medical school, we're kind of taught to be reporters. Um, so we're very good at having all the information and having all the details, but you kind of need to become an interpreter at some point. So synthesizing the material instead of saying it's a 45-year-old man with chest pain saying, okay, 
it's a middle-aged man, he's in the ER, he's having chest pain, what are the types of things that I'm thinking of? What are they trying to get me to pull out of this? So it's kind of interpreting the data to kind of match our um, clinical vignettes, the clinical, what word I'm looking for? Illness script. Illness script, thank you. So it's becoming that, which takes time and practice. You're probably not gonna master it. I'm still learning myself, but I think that made a difference when I stopped just looking at all the details and really trying to interpret the question. Got it. That's excellent advice. Um, and then finally, uh, Sam's other, and this is, I think you guys have really actually covered this nicely, but if you have any other thoughts, um, she asks if you guys have any strategies for staying fresh on material over time or managing student expectations regarding how much information they will retain or will have to review during the dedicated study time. I mean, the fact is, is that you're gonna forget things. It's just the nature of how medicine works. Um, you know, you learn, for example, we have dermatology for a week, I think, is about as much as we get in med school. So to assume that within that week you're going to learn it all and retain it all, it's just not going to happen. But in the field, we're taught to be lifelong learners. So with that comes review and hitting the books again or using up-to-date or whatever resource you want. But you're always going to be reviewing concepts, and there's always going to be more information that you can learn about a subject. One thing you can do, this kind of small advice compared to the the breadth of that question, but the, um, <laughs> I did try to front load dedicated with things that had been further back, mm. like embryology and gynecology. Like I started out dedicated with that when I was like fresh and could really review. <laughs> and yeah. then like the stuff, like I think I put renal at the end cause we had just done renal, you know, um, when I was tired and I, I didn't want to do as much content. And by the end of dedicated, you really just want to do questions. So I feel like trying to front load those things that you know were a long time ago yeah. that are going to be rustier. Okay, so you're sort of exactly. coming back to them at the beginning. Of dedicated. Fresh, yeah. yeah. Dedicated. Got yeah. It. I think that will be helpful advice for her and her Yeah, coast. and then ending dedicated with, like, things that are um, memorization-heavy, yes. like micro farm, farm, things that are just, like, flashcards, like, doing that the last week or two. Biochem, I think, too. Yeah, biochem at the mm -hmm. end, because you're just going to memorize this pathway and regurgitate it yep. on the exam, honestly. Well, I want to congratulate you guys on coming through this whole process sane. <laughs> be fairly sane. Well, how did you, what did you do for study breaks during mm -hmm. uh, these massive several-week feasts? Of yeah. yeah. Um, for me, I... I very much gave myself a day off, and that meant what it meant. Like, I didn't look at anything related. One day a week? Or? One day a week. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't look at anything related to STEP at all. Um, and I tried to get outside, because mm -hmm. those hours you're spending inside on a computer screen, staring at books, you kind of lose yourself. So for me, it was getting outside, seeing family and friends, um, but just really taking that day to myself. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. 100% echo that. I also, I don't think this works for everybody, but I actually did study with a friend through all of Step 1 Dedicated. We weren't doing the same questions, but we were <laughs> commiserating in yes. the same room, and we would occasionally, like, go on the whiteboard and go through diagrams together and stuff. Um, that helped me a lot, because I studied way longer for 
during my study days for step one then for step two CK like I took longer breaks and took the evenings off for step two so I could do that alone but step one I really studied like all day and yeah. I liked having friends around who were doing the same thing so you guys did not yeah. use just to be clear you didn't really use study groups though like you didn't no. get three or four friends together who would teach each other concepts or anything no because I've heard some, some people think that that's a useful way to review, but I guess you have to round them up. And yeah, and everybody, I think everybody's step schedule is really personal based on how you unlearn information. You, you have to prioritize the things that you're scoring lower on on the BSc and, um, and set your own yeah. study schedule. So it's pretty hard to, like, really get, coordinate. <laughs> yeah, get four people to be the same speed of learner, same content reviewer, yeah. Yeah. I did I did similar to Meg, where I just had somebody, we studied near each other. Yeah. And so it was just nice to have somebody who understood and was commiserating with you, right there uh -huh. with you, so. Did they take the same day off? <laughs> I think they, so, uh, yeah. I think we were on the same so, schedule. Yeah. yeah. And, and Meg, you also took one day off a week? Yes, during, uh, yes, and it was completely so. off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I guess if I were to summarize your step one approach, it sounds like both of you had a single thing in common, at least, if not more, and that was starting after block one, sort of mm -hmm. in block two of first year, using the first aid for step one book. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming, by the way, neither of you have any financial interest in these <laughs> products. No, I'm serious. No, <laughs> no disclosures. No disclosures <laughs> necessary. Because okay. right, you recommended a number of products yeah. here that probably make some people some money. Um, but they, they probably put a lot of work into those products. Um, and so, so uh, starting then using first aid mm -hmm. uh, as sort of a complement or, as you put it, symbiotic product mm -hmm. um, to help you be better in both venues, the curriculum for the medical school as well as to prepare for step one. And then you hammered through questions as you got into your dedicated study time, mm -hmm. took regular days off mm -hmm. so that you didn't go completely insane. <laughs> and then for step two, it sounds like the approach was different. You dove in and did a lot of questions and then did do some content review when you detected a weak spot in your... Yeah. Not so much, Mike? Or A lot more content review for step one. Okay. Yeah, that's what yeah, I yeah. yeah. So for step two is more questions. It was kind of just if I got it wrong, there there were so many questions, like another one was gonna come up. So mostly True. the U World explanation. Like I didn't spend much time just looking over a pathway or anything, just do more questions on the thing you got wrong. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. All right. Any other last thoughts before we sign off? I think we've said it, but I really wanna just emphasize finding your learning style. Everybody's going to have their own take on it. Everybody's going to say, use Sketchy, or use Pathoma, or use this or that. And for me, I was the class goer. I needed content review, and then I did questions when I was ready. And that's what worked for me. And I don't think trying to force myself to use other things would have been beneficial in any way. So learn your style. Ask Osler, Dr. Arnold, um, to help you figure it out if you have no idea, and then stick with it. And just for our listeners who are beyond UCLA, yeah. and there's probably a lot of them, Dr. Arnold uh, is the director of the Office of Student Learning and Educational Resources. Resources. Yeah, so it stands for Osler. Um, 
very clever. Uh, <laughs> so for students outside of UC Davis, you probably can't use that resource. But, uh, you may have that same right. resource at your medical school as well. Anything, any other thoughts, Meg? No, I mean, I guess just like, um, yeah, it really is a shame that there is so much emphasis. Like, I kind of personally believe these tests should be pass-fail because I think it does make us, like, get obsessive over things that aren't going to help you be a better doctor. But just that, like, I don't know, having a lot of friends right now going through, it doesn't, it doesn't have to mean, like, I can never be this specialty. And, like, there's a lot of other things that are going to matter for your career. So just, like, keep your head up and, yeah. And, and as you guys know, there's a major national debate yeah. during yeah. Yeah. about whether to make step fail. one pass fail. And I don't know what that repercussions that I have for step that's two. That's a great it idea. Made offload, it made right. us offload focus on step two. Right. But um, anyway, it's, it's a very a like, topic rigorous for, debate yeah. that's happening uh, across the board yeah. nationally. Yeah. Well, I want to thank both of you for being on this podcast. I have learned a ton. <laughs> and I'm, so I'm sure that our other listeners hopefully at least learn a fraction of what I've learned, which is a ton. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.